Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. A case out of Canton, Massachusetts, has literally torn the town apart where this took place. Um, a lot of intrigue, a lot of allegations about police corruption, uh, whether it's true or not true about the corruption and whether the case against Karen Reed is as solid as some might say, or because she's charged with killing her police officer, Boston police officer boyfriend, John O'Keefe, that the case is just ripe for corruption. And the case tearing the town apart and the question is, did a successful South Shore woman really kill her police officer boyfriend? Or as she claims, did a slew of dirty cops frame her? Again, this is from Gretchen Voss from uh, City Life magazine. Inside the simmering tabloid drama dividing this tight-knit Massachusetts suburb. One of the things that also exacerbated this case was a content creator on YouTube known as Turtle Boy, who basically alleged all of types of police corruption in this case that literally tore this town or is tearing this town and has torn this town apart. So hold on to your hats, hold on to your seats, get ready to enter the off-the-cuff zone with police off the cuff, real crime stories. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town and branch microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, there are so many aspects and twists and turns in this case. And from what I've read so far, and we're just going to take a short dive into this today, because to take a deep dive would take numerous, numerous episodes. So what are we talking about here then? We're talking about Karen Reed and John O'Keefe. Karen Reed and John O'Keefe, boyfriend and girlfriend. John O'Keefe, a Boston police officer, and of course, a homegrown from the town of Canton in Massachusetts, where everyone seems to know each other and goes back to high school. But the disturbing thing about this is it, of course, involves a night of heavy-duty drinking at a, at a pub. And then when the night should have been over, instead, uh, Karen and John O'Keefe go to an after party at a, a the home of a friend, of, the, of friends, the Alberts. 
And one of the outlets, of course, is also a police officer. And at this party or after party, whichever you would uh, rather call it, it's alleged that Karen Reed used her SUV to run over her boyfriend. And then having committed that horrific deed, she fled the scene and went home and was apparently quite intoxicated. And she realized when she woke up at 4.30 in the morning that her boyfriend wasn't around her. And in a drunken stupor, she started making all kinds of phone calls, all kinds of texts, and went back to the scene. Let's play a little bit of court TV and see what they had to say about this case. New developments out of Massachusetts in the Karen Reed case. The Boston Globe is reporting that the district attorney is saying he is mystified by the FBI's involvement, saying they don't have jurisdiction over a state murder trial. Reed, as you may know, is the woman accused of killing her cop boyfriend and then allegedly leaving him in the snow to die. But her defense claims that law enforcement officials are protecting the real killer's prompting an interest in the case by the FBI. Before we break this all down with my guest, Marie Pereira, let's take a look at the case against Karen Reed. John O'Keefe was a good cop, uh, and he was a good man. Uh, that's why my client uh, was with him. Karen Reed is accused of causing the death of her boyfriend, Boston police officer John O'Keefe, after a night of heavy drinking. Prosecutors claim Reed backed her car into O'Keefe during a snowstorm and left him to die. But Reed's defense says the Commonwealth has it all wrong. With each new piece of evidence that comes in, we're more and more convinced uh, of my client's innocence. O'Keefe's snow-covered body was found outside the home of another officer in Canton, Massachusetts. According to the prosecution's statement of the case, the couple was invited to the house after the bars in downtown Canton closed. Witnesses told investigators they last saw the couple at the Waterfall Bar and Grill. Others said they saw a black SUV resembling Reed's parked outside the house, but never saw O'Keefe come inside. Reed told investigators that she dropped him off at the after party and never heard from him again. She went home to take care of the kids, and then she called him 49 times. Where are you? Why aren't you? You know, I, I just want to make a, a, a little comment on that. Um, calling someone 49 times, uh, I don't know. Uh, is that showing concern, or is that trying to cover up something that you were showing so much concern that you called someone 49 times. And at the time that she's calling him 49 times, he's laying on his back uh, off the driveway of the friend's home, dead. Or at some point he died of, of hypothermia uh, besides the wounds that he sustained, he sustained allegedly from getting hit by the car. So what... 49 calls? Uh, I'm a little concerned about that. Back. She was the one to go back to that uh, residence to look for him. She was the one to find him. She was the one to uh, try and keep him warm and give him CPR and try and revive him. 
but Norfolk County prosecutors question those actions. They claim voicemails and text messages detail strains in the relationship and the victim's desire to end their relationship, including a voicemail from the night he died in which Reed allegedly told O'Keefe that she hated him. Also, O'Keefe's niece and nephew who lived with him allegedly told police that the couple fought constantly about the relationship and breaking up before his death. Prosecutors point to a broken taillight on Reed's SUV, pieces of which were allegedly found near O'Keefe's body to suggest she ran her car into him. A forensic pathologist opined that significant blunt force trauma injuries occurred prior to Mr. O'Keefe becoming hypothermic. So what there, what's alleged by the prosecution is that um, Karen, Karen Reed, backed her SUV up into uh, her boyfriend, John O'Keefe, knocking him down and, and just left him there. Now, were the injuries caused by the blunt trauma from the vehicle enough to cause his death, or was it the fact that he was left laying there and died from hypothermia? I think that was what occurred. But initially, when uh, Karen Reed was arrested, she was charged with manslaughter. And then those charges were upgraded to murder second degree, which is intentional murder, which is intend death caused a much higher level of course to prove but in this case there are lots of doubt there is a lot of uh evidence that perhaps she didn't do it or at least evidence that can create doubt for the defense and there, look there is no one arguing that i don't think that there is definitely room that the, the defense could win this case. However, when we look and you take a deeper dive into the evidence, and of course, in every homicide case, cell phones come into play, computers come into play, video camera comes into play. All of these things are part of this investigation. And all of these things, not only do they create doubt, but they also can prove a piece of evidence by making it a fact when you have certain timestamps in regards to what allegedly occurred. And all of those things exist in this case. Heavy-duty evidence, forensic evidence exists. At the same time, there's a certain amount of evidence that creates doubt. Am I playing devil's advocate here? You bet I am. Cuts and bruises were found on O'Keefe's head and arm. Somebody being hit by a car, I would submit, does not look like they had been punched out by Mike Tyson. Um, and the victim here looked like he had been punched out by Mike Tyson. Reed's lawyer, David Yonetti, says his client is not responsible for O'Keefe's injuries. I believe that the, the evidence shows that she didn't hit him. Um, I've said in the past that his injuries are not consistent with being hit by a vehicle. And by the way, the Lexus taillight breaking, coming in contact with a human being and not a hard surface, makes no sense to me. 
I think it's going to make no sense to a jury. You know, that's uh, that's compelling. That's compelling evidence. I don't know what the um, defense attorney's expertise is as far as an accident investigator. Uh, could the taillight have hit something hard like the, the um, uh, Mr. O'Keefe's belt? Or potentially was he carrying a gun? Could it have hit his gun and broken? So... Yes, normally if a taillight hits a soft surface, it's not going to break. But there are other ways that it could have broke. So till you have, and I'm again, I'm not taking a pro stance prosecution nor the defense. I believe from just reading about this case, there's a great deal of questions of what had occurred. So the the defense attorney there is saying that. Um, uh, John O'Keefe's body or his face looked like he took a beating by Mike Tyson. So the allegations are that he sustained these injuries somewhere else or by someone else other than getting hit by that SUV. And it's alleged that he went inside the house where the after party was. But then there is also evidence, and I can't go over every piece of evidence today because there's so much of it. And this case is slated to go to trial. I believe um, the trial is set for March 12th, 12th, 2024. So, so many questions, yes, exist, and so many questions are being asked. And why, then, is this case ripping the town apart? If not Reed, who? Her lawyer says that there's a lot they still don't know. This is a case where uh, the, the, the homeowner, being a Boston police officer, was treated differently than he would have been if he were you or me. A lot to talk about. Thankfully, Marie Pereira is still with me. All right. First of all, the public attention on this case, because it seems like you have two sides adamant. Number one, that Karen Reed killed her boyfriend. No question about it. And number two, no, not she didn't. It's a cover up. And a lot of the cops at the party did it. What are your thoughts? I think her attorneys are doing an excellent job defending her even before the trial begins, because there's certainly public support. And on top of it, they really do have evidence that would prove that she didn't do it. All I could remember is a photograph of the victim's arm mm -hmm. with what looks like claw marks, mm -hmm. like dog, the dog right. And then all of a sudden the dog is not available. Everything else I'm saying maybe, but then- So John O'Keefe has some injuries consistent with getting attacked by a dog, like cuts on his arm. Now that is, all, is something that the defense is of course using to create doubt that he sustained these injuries inside the home of uh, Brian Albert, who's also a Boston Police Department officer who works for the Fugitive Apprehension Team. Now, they're claiming that he was beaten up in this house and then dumped out on the driveway. But there's certain inconsistencies with that. Uh, but again, the defense team of Karen Reed is doing an outstanding job. Most of the, you'll hear the defense attorneys usually say in these cases, we'll try the case in the courtroom, not the, the court of public opinion. However, 
they are using uh, the court of public opinion to their advantage. Uh, and there is no doubt to that because they understand this not the whole jury pool uh, from this town is, as they said, this town is ripped apart by it. Uh, you know, there's an excellent article written in the City Life by a author named Gretchen Voss, who does an outstanding job uh, in regards to describing the night of this occurrence. Uh, you know, they were in they were in a bar. At that night, as the storm rolled into town, parents in the bar had a pretty good hunch they'd get a hall pass from the typical Saturday grind of shuttling kids to sporting events as the band played. The mood was festive and upbeat. O'Keefe downed beers while Reed drank vodka sodas, lots of them. When the clock ticked to midnight, it was nearly last call. The night wasn't over, though. Brian Albert announced he was headed home to have a beer with his son for his birthday and invited the group to join. O'Keefe wanted to keep the party going. Reed, tired, buzzed, and hungry, was less sure, but agreed to at least give him a ride. On the way out, O'Keefe grabbed a half-full cocktail glass off the table, took a slug, and carried the rest of the drink out the door with him. The couple walked over to Reed's black Lexus SUV, leaving foot tracks in the white dusting of snow and climbed inside. Reed sat behind the wheel, and O'Keefe plugged the address. 34 Fairview Road into ways before they drove off. When they arrived at Albert's home, O'Keefe stopped out of the car. Reed, though, decided to leave. Several hours later, around 4.30 a.m., Reed says she woke up alone in the same clothes from the evening before on the couch at O'Keefe's house. From the living room window, she could see the Nor'easter bearing down hard. O'Keefe's niece was asleep upstairs and his nephew was at a sleepover, but O'Keefe was nowhere to be found. Reed said she thought to call McCabe to ask if she'd seen O'Keefe. Reed didn't have her number, knew that O'Keefe, O'Keefe's niece, who was close friends with McCabe's daughter, probably did. In a panic, Reed woke her up and had her dial McCabe, who said she had no idea where O'Keefe was either. McCabe hung up and called Chris Albert's wife, Julie, who lived just a few doors down from O'Keefe, to ask if he had passed out at their house. Meanwhile, Reed called O'Keefe's lifelong friend, Kerry Roberts, who also lives in Canton. Neither woman had seen or heard from O'Keefe. Where was he? Reed said she wondered. Within an hour, Reed, McCabe, and Roberts met up at McCabe's home and after returning briefly to O'Keefe's house, piled into Roberts' car to look for O'Keefe. In the back seat, Reed screamed about her boyfriend being missing as the women drove through the pre-dawn streets of Canton, now swirling and dancing in the car's headlights, snow now swirling it. On the dash, the temperature read 18 degrees Fahrenheit. As they approached the house where Reed had last seen her boyfriend, she shouted that she spotted him and scrambled out of the car. It was pitch black outside. But on the left side of the property at 34 Fairview, she saw O'Keefe's body lying covered in snow. Reed raced toward him, dropped to her knees beside him, and frantically cleared snow off his torso. Then she lifted both their shirts and laid on top of him, trying to warm his ice-cold body. Uh, unbelievable, right? So what are we to believe? Are, are we to believe that uh, this was an accident? And let's, let's face it, uh, Karen Reed was intoxicated, right? 
So all that she said, all that she's saying, can we believe it? Uh, can we take it as what occurred? But then again, there are so many things here that create doubt. Where did O'Keefe sustain his injuries? According to the defense attorney, it looked like he took a beating by Mike Tyson. Uh, so what are we to believe? What are we to believe? How did this happen? Where did it happen? We know that he was discovered in the driveway, right, of 34 Fairview. We know that his cause of death was hypothermia, right? Potentially he froze to death. So the, 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 the blunt trauma injuries, how were they caused? And how about the, the cuts to his arm? Was he attacked by a dog? Where did that Was he ever inside the house? Did he ever make it inside that house? These are some of the questions. And again, always in these cases, uh, cell phone data, forensic data, video cameras, They'll all come into play. But as yet, all of that information, all of that potential digital evidence as well as forensic evidence has yet to be presented. Because right now, the case is being tried in the court of public opinion. Reed and her boyfriend, Boston police officer John O'Keefe, were bar hopping on a snowy night in Massachusetts. At the end of the night, they were invited to a house party at the home of a fellow officer in Canton, Massachusetts. When Karen and John arrived, Karen did not exit the car. John did. From that point forward, there are two very different versions of what happened. Prosecutors say Karen was mad at John and purposely struck him with her car and left him on the ground to die in the snow. But Karen and her defense team say John went to the party something terrible happened inside the house and his body was placed outside where he was found dead the next morning. Karen has been charged with murder but claims she is the victim of a big cover-up by police. The battle inside the courtroom and outside the courthouse has been intense. Prosecutors insisting Karen Reed is a murderer while she insists it was someone inside the house that night who was responsible for what happened to her boyfriend John O'Keefe. Tonight, we bring in our own independent experts to examine the evidence in this case piece by piece as we try to figure out what happened to Officer John O'Keefe. Very, very intriguing. Very, I mean, just uh, amazing. And the amount of evidence uh, in this case, both digital, both forensic uh, autopsy evidence, uh, potentially video evidence. We talk about cell phone evidence. Can the, can Officer uh, John O'Keefe's can his cell phone, which apparently was still on his body when EMS responded, can that tell if he ever went inside the house or not? I think it might. Is that a powerful piece of evidence? If he never went inside that house, then whatever happened to him, whatever injuries he sustained occurred right outside on that driveway. And he 
obviously was potentially hit by that SUV and left there to die. So that's problematic, I think, for the defense. But however, the defense has a lot of things to create doubt. Where did he get those cuts on his arm that appear to have come from some kind of animal, a dog? Uh, where did that occur? When did that occur? Could that have occurred out on the driveway? Could the dog, if there is a dog involved here, could, could the dog have attacked attacked him in the driveway? These are some of the things, of course, that the prosecution will will say, no, that's not it didn't happen like that. And the defense is going to say he was inside that house. But we don't know. We, we don't know what the answer is to that. And that's where I think that Karen Reed has an excellent chance of beating this case with some of the doubt that is being created by her defense attorneys. They're doing an outstanding job at this point. I want to play a little more of this from Court TV just to show what the mood in the town is like and how this is all this is the environment in which this case is going to be tried. Reporting Karen Reed and thinks something is going on here that is terribly, terribly wrong. Again, at the outset, I want to we want to investigate and get as much information as possible on the show as we as we continue to track this case as it moves towards a trial. I don't know. I haven't seen all the evidence. I haven't heard all the evidence. She's presumed innocent. But anyone that the defense is pointing the finger at is also presumed innocent, right? That's the way our system works. But tonight we're going to try to figure out what exactly is going on in that town. And, and for me, it begins with this, this outpouring of support for Karen Reed. Take a look at, at, at what is actually happening uh, in Dedham, Massachusetts, uh, when there are hearings in this case. Take a look. Interesting how uh, the townspeople took the side of uh, Karen Reed. Um, and this has a lot to do with a podcast by uh, someone named Turtle Boy, who pointed a finger at the Boston Police Department and that this is all interconnected with different officers. Of course, I mentioned that Brian Albert was also a Boston police officer, and others were involved in law enforcement. And there, what they are alleging is a cover-up by 
the Boston Police Department. And on the strength of that, um, they're saying that th this is absolutely uh, this is absolutely a cover up, and that the the police have done all of this covering up to protect one of their own and to basically trump up evidence against uh, Karen Reed, who was the girlfriend of John O'Keefe, who happens to be a Boston police officer. Now, there has also been requests that they bring the FBI into this case because they're pointing a finger that this is police corruption and not just a drunken killing by Karen Reed of her boyfriend after a night of heavy duty drinking. And this narrative has been created on the internet. And I know that the, um, the prosecutor in this case has been very vocal about how did, how is this case being tried over the internet when it belongs to be tried in a court of law, not the internet. When I think about that photograph, how mm -hmm. would he get that? Yeah. Not from a motor vehicle striking him. So I think they're doing a great job. I do too, and the 49 phone calls. I think that's significant because I think if the person who did it called, it wouldn't be 49 times. To me, that's desperation. Where is he, where is he, where is he, where is he, where is he? What happened? What you know, I have, a different, uh, I have a different perspective on the 49 phone calls. I think it's basically uh, exculpatory in nature, trying to get herself out from under it. Let me keep calling him to show how innocent I am. So. I take it a little bit different than uh, what they're uh, what they're showing on this on on court TV. That forty nine calls just show how concerned she is. I think it also could be done to to be try to be smart and try to throw authorities off by showing how concerned you are calling him forty nine times. The person that did this, she knows where he is. He's not going to answer his phone. He's dead. What happened what happened and so i think that works in her favor too potentially now the other part of this is you know the district attorney did state that he has offered to speak with the fbi to speak with the u.s attorney about this case because of the inquire that they're doing and according to him they have not taken him up on that offer talk to us a little bit about inside baseball when it comes to law enforcement and different parties and political parties and all, what do you think of this maybe they have talked maybe they haven't well, the state police wants to show, listen, we know what we're doing. We don't need you butting into our affairs, especially the FBI or any other source of jurisdiction. This was our police officer, our citizen in our state. So what makes you think that we're a bunch of Barney Fives and we need you coming in? So there's always a testosterone thing going on. But I would ask them to be careful because if all of these accusations are being made and other people want to help you, why don't you accept the help? And you know, I happen to agree with her because if the FBI wants to get involved in this because they're alleging some type of police corruption, then I think the district attorney should just bring them in, bring them in, because that could be problematic down the road. They could say, oh, they were hiding something. The FBI wanted to take part in this investigation, and the district attorney refused their help. So I think it would be smart for them to allow the FBI to come into this investigation to, to shine a light on it, as they say, shine that spotlight on it to show not just to the district attorney, but to the people 
of Canton that this was a clear, uh, transparent investigation. And to show that it was transparent, we allowed the FBI to come in and to assist in this investigation to show, and using a New York word, there's nothing fugazi about this investigation. And be extremely transparent with defense. Give them whatever they want. If you have nothing to hide, then give them what they want to dispel the rumors and put them to rest before this thing goes to trial. Because it's going to follow you with the jurors who are going to be from that venue. Watch out. Watch out. And optics are everything. I agree with you. The defense is doing a good job raising all of these issues. There are a lot of supporters for Karen Reed that have been very vocal, very public. But I think at the end of the day, no matter what, I don't think I would expect any district's, district attorney's office to say, you're right, we're wrong, we're dismissing the charges. Do you think that's a possibility or do you expect this is gonna go forward against Karen Reed? I think at this point, they're not going to be dismissing any- There is no way on earth they will dismiss these charges. Not only that, when she was first arrested, she was charged with manslaughter. And then they up the charges to murder second degree, which is intentional murder, which means intend death, cause death. So carrying with a conviction for murder second degree usually calls for a sentence of 25 years to life, whereas manslaughter, which there's a lot of different subdivisions in manslaughter, could be reckless, could be criminal negligent. The fact that she was intoxicated, and I don't know if they ever actually did the legal standard to test whether she was intoxicated because she wasn't arrested for, I believe, uh, a while, at least a week or so after this. Um, so she probably was never giving, given a sobriety test, i.e. Uh, blowing in the device to, to test your blood alcohol, taking blood, anything like that. So they can't say she was intoxicated, even though when the bartender was interviewed, she was drinking lots and lots of vodka. That was based on that story parts that I read to it. And that's not conclusive. However, if you interview the bartender, if the bartender becomes a witness at this case, you know, if he testified he made her eight or 10 vodka and tonics and she drank all of them that he could see and she appeared to be quite intoxicated when she left the bar, that's, that's pretty strong evidence. So that there is a subdivision in manslaughter, but uh, it's not an excuse at all, but um, intoxication. And a, intoxication is never a defense to an offense at all. In the interest of justice, they're going to go forward and then they are going to have to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt, especially because it was a law enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. They're not just going to say, we'll call it a day. They're not going to do that because it would be saying we were wrong from the beginning. I agree with you. And I want to share now before we go today's thought from the bench. My opinion as a former judge, and I must share this with you, is listen, generally the FBI does not just step in when they don't have jurisdiction. And in fact, they do have jurisdiction for some special investigations, which can include, as I understand it, if there's a felony against, felony murder rather, against a law enforcement officer of a state. And so maybe that's the grounds under which they're stepping in, but you better be careful. And I agree from the bench, give them everything, cooperate fully. There's nothing to lose at the end. 100%, the district attorney here should cooperate 
100% with the FBI because it'll only look bad if they do not. And something happens in this case regarding uh, allegations of uh, corruption in regards to law enforcement. Uh, Massachusetts versus Karen Reed. Homeowner Brian Albert's sister-in-law was searching on her phone. How long to die in cold on January 29th, 2022 at 2.27 a.m.? Because it establishes that individuals who were in the house at 34 Fairview that night were aware that John was dying in the snow before Karen even knew he was missing. Wow. Do we know if that's true? We don't. But does that create doubt? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So they knew he was laying in the snow outside. And then she Googled how long would it take in 18 degrees Fahrenheit for someone to die of exposure? That's that's pretty powerful evidence that will, in fact, create a lot of doubt. Uh, so, again, Karen Reed initially was charged with manslaughter, but the charges were upped. They were upped to murder second degree, which is intentional murder. And, and that's, uh, that's no joke, as they say. Um, this person named um, Turtle Boy, who had the, the podcast that he put out, really pointing the finger at the police, that there's all kinds of police cor corruption here. And his, his show basically went viral in regards to this case. Let me play a little bit of this from Court TV also that John O'Keefe had gone home and was in bed, that he never showed up at the house. He was invited over there, he never showed up. So why would you Google how long's dying cold at 2.27 a.m.? They also had his Apple Health data that put him inside the house, uh, ascending and descending stairs for three minutes from 12.21 a.m. to 12.24 a.m. Uh, there was an eyewitness uh, who was outside the house who only saw Karen Reed in the car and had no sign of John O'Keefe whatsoever and said that her taillight was in fine condition. There was nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And then there's the autopsy photos. The autopsy photos overwhelmingly show that that man was not killed by a Lexus unless a Lexus has a set of canine teeth similar to a German Shepherd. I want to play some sound from moments that you just gave, because that's a lot. Like you said, it was a very long affidavit that was filed by the defense. Let's take a listen to Alan Jackson talking about the Googling by the neighbor. Why is Jennifer McCabe, one of the parties that was inside the house that night, the sister-in-law of Brian Albert, why was she Google searching? How long does it take? for a human body to die in the cold. The Apple Cocoa core data indicates, or the core time indicates exactly what time that Google search uh, occurred. That time was at 2.27 and 40 seconds. You know, whether you believe this information or not, uh, is neither here nor there. What it does though, it creates doubt. Tremendous amount of doubt. This individual known as Turtle Boy, uh, whether he, in fact, has the correct information, uh, we don't know that because, you know, podcasters are not the ones that prosecute cases. Podcasters are not the defense for uh, people being tried for murder. 
So I don't know if this person, Turtle Boy, is in fact has the correct information. But the fact that he pointed the finger at police corruption is turning many heads and is ripping, ripping this little town apart where there's the side of people who believe Karen Reed is guilty and the side who want justice for John O'Keefe, the Boston Police Department officer who allegedly was run over by his girlfriend, Karen Reed, and left to die in the driveway. So these are all the questions, and, and admittedly, and I'm just doing a quick dive. We're going to do a much deeper dive into this case on the next episode. But this case, Karen could beat this case based on what I'm reading right now. And you guys know who you, you listen to police off the cuff, real crime stories. Usually we think that, uh, or we take the side of the prosecution and we think that, um, you know, the prosecution usually has the stronger case. But in this, I see a great deal of doubt. And, and Karen also, Karen Reed, hired some very top, top attorneys who are creating the doubt in this case, who are running with the football and who are get very aggressive going after the evidence in this case or the lack thereof in their opinions. Uh, in the morning on, on January 29th. That's three and a half hours before John O'Keefe's body was found. Now, no charges have been filed against anyone else in this case other than Karen Reed. So I want to keep that in mind. But Aiden, I want to ask you about the community support. It has seemed to take on a life of its own. You've been at the center of a lot of it. But tell me about what people need to know about that community and how they are reacting to Karen Reed, especially now. Well, it's just obvious to anyone with a brain who's looking at the situation and looking at the evidence and seeing what the Commonwealth is covering up, that it's quite obvious that Karen Reed is, in fact, an innocent woman. The lead detective in this case, his name is... When did you ever know or when did you ever think that a podcaster could have this much power to sway an entire community over what occurred in an investigation into a murder? But he's taking the side of the suspect in this case, or the arrested person, Karen Reed. And the whole community is getting behind him and says, yes, he's right, he's right. She's being taken over the coals by a corrupt police department. Ms. Michael Proctor, he is uh, good friends and they hid this. So like, why would you hide this if, if you were innocent? Michael Proctor hid the fact that he is a close family friend of the two families involved, the Alberts and the McCabe's. There is a picture of him in 2017 with Jennifer McCabe's kids on Facebook uh, at a backyard party for his sister. There are multiple pictures of the Proctor family with the Albert family. As a matter of fact, seven-year-old Colin Albert in 2012, he's uh, he's uh, 19 now, who he was inside the house at the time. He was never interviewed by uh, Michael Proctor. And as it turns out in 2012, Colin Albert was the ring bearer in Michael Proctor's sister's wedding. So they were there together. They sat at a table together. Colin Albert's father, Chris, is good friends with Michael Proctor. They actually refer to them as a second 
family. So people aren't stupid. The reason you're seeing all those people outside, those are well-educated people. Those are smart people. They have jobs. They are just outraged that they're uh, the institutions that they have put faith in. I mean, these are people who, who have supported police. These are not people who are anti-police. These are people who have supported the institution of the police and the district attorney's office who feel lied to and betrayed. Because every time there is a hearing, all the Commonwealth does is get up there and lie. They lie to your face. They treat you like you're stupid. And people don't like being treated like they're stupid. So we're showing up on the courthouse stairs. And in case you couldn't possibly make yourselves look more guilty... They arrested me on October 11th, the man who has been leading the protests because they are trying to shut me up. They knew two of the people, two, I have eight stay away orders on me now. So eight of the witnesses in this who, who, are, who really should be considered suspects. I cannot contact, uh, I cannot talk directly or indirectly to, which is basically preventing me from going to the entire town of Canton, Massachusetts. And they are doing this because they don't want me to ask these people tough questions. That's all this is about. They're just trying to silence a reporter who is getting way too close to exposing their corruption. The same cops I've been accusing of covering this up came to my house and, and read me my Miranda rights. The same district attorney's office who, who I've been accusing of corruption has been the one prosecuting me for this. So he's uh that's turtle boy. His last name's Kearney. And uh, he's alleging corruption. He's alleging that the, he, it also can be alleged from the other side that what he was doing was uh, intimidating witnesses. So that's our show for right now. And I just did a small little look into this case because we're going to take a much deeper dive when I have my compadres, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi, and of course, a retired NYPD sergeant, Mike, and professor, law degree Mike Geary, will have him on the show and take a deeper dive into this. Uh, this is a fascinating case. And is there doubt in regards to Karen Reed? You bet. There's lots of doubt. So, but the thing about our system is we can make all of these allegations. We can make all of these uh, pointing the figure in a certain way, but the case gets tried in court and not in the court of public opinion. And, and that's the most important thing. And on the screen, uh, no doubt, is, uh, is Karen Reed, who's I'm sure her life has been turned upside down over this. And to the right, former police officer John O'Keefe, actually police officer John O'Keefe, who lost his life during this. And that's what this case is about. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, the case of Karen O'Keefe, excuse me, Karen Reed and uh, John O'Keefe. And we'll dig much deeper into this case at a future date. And I hope this gave you a little bit of knowledge to see where we're going to be going and where this case. And again, the date of, of the trial will be March 12th, 2024, unless the case is put off. That is the trial date. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff. Have a great day, great night, everyone. We'll see you real soon, and God bless. One episode, just